Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Monday night, the 1st of November, All Saints Day. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show is brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs. And you're going to have decorating needs because we're in that sprint now to the finish line. As I often refer to November 1st and December 25th as one long day. Uh, they have everything you need to make your home look like the best home on the block, including the countdown clock, Santa, uh, the uh, snowmen, each standing on their shoulders saying, oh, joy. And, of course, you can't have a holiday without at least one uh, elf on a shelf. Uh, they're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York. Their telephone number is 631-957-5106. And the website is liholidaylighting.com. Omni True Value Hardware has got rock salt galore and snow melt products galore as well. Uh, with uh, shortages, it's going to be tough to find. And you know when the first snowstorm comes, that stuff disappears in a hurry. And they have the lowest prices anywhere in the tri-state area. Pel Pelado and Mag Ice Pellets and Flakes, along with all other types of snow melt products, snow blowers, shovels, you name it, they got it. They're at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York. 631-756-1125 is the phone number. And the website is omnitruevalue.com. It really is, Mr. Rayo. It is. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah. All right. Hang on. Let me yes. get let me get the big Omni sign out because they got the little one on the lower left and holiday lighting by Giannini on the lower right. Took a signal hit here. Hold on. We're both holding on. Signal reconnecting. Apologize, everybody, for the circle of death. There we go. Sorry about that. It, that, that, this never happens at all during the day. As soon as we do on the show, a boom. Today's forecast, morning, I'm up. Isn't that enough? Afternoon, periods of irritability throughout the day. Evening, a 90% chance of the same tomorrow. That's correct. <clears throat> you are correct. Happy, happy Monday to all. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, just as, yes, William Mover, they probably have flamethrowers as well, too. Uh, just a reminder to everybody, and I put the reminder on the top of the chat board uh, in case you tune in later uh, or tune out and tune in later or just forget. No show tomorrow and no show on Wednesday. Joe and I will be back on Thursday. Oh, I'm, yeah, at 8.30 Eastern Time, just so you know. Thursday, 8.30 Eastern Time. So um, I, I, I got a question. Not that it made any difference because uh, the Friday and Saturday, you had this massive upper air circulation putting the entire everywhere east of the Mississippi in clouds. But whatever, what happened with that, that thing, that, that, Celestial event uh, that was supposed to, that was supposed to happen. It, it, oh, it... Uh, you know this only goes to show that not only have we not mastered all of the aspects of Earth weather, but we are also still trying to master all of the aspects of space weather. 
on on Thursday, there was an X-class flare, the strongest type of flare possible, that erupted on the sun. It was right uh, in the central part of the sun, shot all of its subatomic uh, uh, debris or uh, subatomic particles toward the Earth. The expectation was that all of that would be drawn in by the Earth's magnetic poles and produce a beautiful display of the northern lights on Saturday night. Guess what? It didn't happen. Uh, (laughs) There was a weak, there was a weak, there was a weak magnetic storm, but not the potent, robust, major, severe. Joe, they actually called for the possibility of a severe geomagnetic storm on Saturday night. And I'm saying to myself, oh, darn it, we've got clouds, we're not going to see this event or whatever. But I don't feel so bad because the forecast was, you know, it it didn't work out. So now the the explanation is, yeah, the flare was in the central part of the sun, but it was in the lower or southern part of the sun, south central. And a lot of that stuff probably headed toward the Earth and just passed underneath the Earth. Never really Ah. got So you see... Even even those in the space environment laboratory, whose job it is to try to predict space weather and what the sun is going to do, even they sometimes blow it, and they certainly blew it big time. Because I know that from posting that on my Facebook page, I noted that uh, any number of you know uh, weathercasters, meteorologists, picked up on that and put it on their page. Or went on the air, you know, and said, "Hey, we got a big spectacular coming our way, uh, the Aurora Borealis." And, like, and now it all went bye-bye. So, so that's that's do? that's sort of, that's sort of like, well, the big storm we've been talking about since Charlemagne, yeah. but it, exactly. it, it, it happened, but it passed to the south. Precisely, precisely, <laughs> precisely, precisely Robin. What are you do? Uh, you're not much. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. It, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it didn't matter because everybody was socked in with clouds anyhow. So, so what was the? It, it would have. I would have thought it would have been the opposite that it would have wound up being some spectacular event, and we would just have been sitting here in total frustration because over the fact that you wouldn't be able to see it. That's that's how it usually works out, but this time it didn't work out that way. What are you going to do? Now, Johnny Quest says, and by the, and by the way. Uh, for Halloween, the forecast yesterday was for, well, there might be a shower or a sprinkle here and there. No big deal. Go out and trick or treat. Well, yesterday, my wife and I decided we'd go to uh, the uh, Mohegan Lake Diner to have dinner. And it was like five o'clock in the afternoon. We look out the window. All of a sudden, it starts pouring to beat the band. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, we saw a rainbow. But I'm saying to myself, if any kid out there was trick or treating, and thinking that, oh, no big deal. It's going to be nice weather for the trick or treat. They probably <laughs> they said, what the heck is this? It's right. and, 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 and Saturday, which was supposed to also was, was supposed to turn out to be the worst of the two weekend days, wound up being the better of the two, with the exception of central right. and eastern Long Island and, you know, uh, central and eastern Connecticut on up in New England, where, it, you know, rained pretty much all, all day. But. <laughs> yeah, it happens sometimes. Um, Johnny Quest says, Joe, Joe, it calls to your attention that there is an asteroid about the size of two football fields. I mean, that's big enough to fit a shopping mall on. Um, and that's supposed to pass close to the Earth this week, or is it supposed to pass to the Earth this week? Should I should I get a, a, one last haircut before it, it collides, or what? 
Um, I'm looking here. I don't see that. I'm looking at the at the uh, at the list of. Uh, well, wait a minute. We're into November now, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, Today is All Saints Day, in honor of you. Oh well, thank you. I see that tomorrow, tomorrow's November second. There's a an asteroid, uh, estimated size 131 meters. Now that's pretty big. That's supposed to be passing, how close? Uh, at a velocity of uh, how many kilometers per second? 9.9 kilometers per second, and it's going to be 13.9 lunar distances. So 13.9 times the average distance of the moon. That's 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 really not you know. It's that close. To too upset, you know, get so upset about that's that's like that's like over three million miles. Well, 13.9 times a quarter of a million. Yeah. Right. So, that's you know, like that's, that's over three million miles. Right. So <laughs> what are you getting all upset about? <laughs> oh, I'm not upset. And, it, and it, 131 meters is what? About 300, 390 feet or something. Like, so maybe not twice the size of, let's say, Yankee. I was going to say Shea Stadium or City Field. But, yeah, it's a pretty big rock. It looks like it's going to it's going to pass near, but not really near enough for me to you know, start making out my will. All right, so we don't have to worry about a mass extinction or anything like that, uh, which is a good, which is no. a good thing. Uh, all yeah. right, so uh, here we are, the first of November, and hold it. Yeah, hold it. yeah. Well, December seventeenth, which is later this year. Yeah. Um, but still, that's a that's like 14, 14 times <clears throat> the, the moon's distance. So still not overly close. But that one, that one that's going to pass by on that day, 1,083 meters across. That's like three. That's three. That's what? Three thousand feet? No, that's a over a kilometer. That's over a kilometer. About to, around three quarters of a mile. That, that's that's big, but it's not. Again, it's not going to come really very very near to us. So that may be the one he's referring to. But oh, I okay. Get upset about that either. All right. Well, uh, we had to wait till November first to see even something remote. Now, well, we're going to probably see more of them as they, as the local weather services start adding on counties because <clears throat> everybody's got their own criteria about how far ahead of time they want to put up, uh, you know, watches. Uh, but uh, and there's not much going on across the U.S., so we're really focusing here on a freeze watch. Uh, coming late this year, Joe, I, 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 I would imagine, but the first freeze watches are up for uh, parts of the lower Hudson Valley, southwestern Connecticut, uh, northern New Jersey, basically west of 287, uh, a lot of east, uh, southeast, south-central PA, central PA, down into uh, uh, Western Virginia, but north and west of Washington, D.C., Baltimore, and then going back along I-81 and extending down almost to Roanoke. Now, just because they don't have them up in parts of upstate New York, some of these areas have already gotten down below 32, uh, but I haven't kept track. Uh, I imagine it's probably not a lot, uh, but uh, you'll probably see the local offices add more to this. So this is for Wednesday, more Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, and then we'll probably have 
whoever misses out on then uh, of Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, plus probably some additional areas will come into play for Wednesday night into Thursday morning, which will probably be the coldest night of this uh, this current stretch that we're in. And it's taken its uh, sweet time in doing that. I've, you know, uh, last night or this morning, my low temperature for the first morning in November was 51 degrees. Oh God! So it's about, I, I think it's about time that it, it got a little, little cold out there. Yep. So uh, well, uh, just to show you how I, I mean how quiet it is. I mean, not that there isn't any weather going on because there is some precipitation going on in some places. Uh, we have nothing. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing from coast to coast in terms of something important, like a winter storm watch or a flash flood watch or or, or anything along those lines. And I'm not even going to bring up SPC's weather uh, the stuff tonight because guess what? No severe until further notice, according to them. So um, that's that's looking looking good. And now my eyes are just trying to deceive me here. I'm trying to see. The blue, okay, so it looks like, I don't I can't, these are winter weather advisories, I believe, in the north central, uh, uh, north central Colorado and a few counties in southern Wyoming, and that color blue up there, you know what, I'm just going to punch up to see what the name of God this is. It, it might be lake effect snow going on up there. Oh, they have winter weather advisories, folks. Here they are. Uh, Marquette right now is 34, and they're not in the advisory area. But uh, on either side, we've got uh, four counties on one side and four counties on the other side of Marquette under winter weather advisories. And also, it appears, uh, if we go a little bit further to the east or southeast, on the western shore, oh, too far southeast, Let's go north. Uh, come on. Come on. Grand Rapids right now is 43. They actually have chance of rain or snow in the forecast for Grand Rapids. And the other area is, uh, this is from the Weather Service office in Gaylord, Michigan. Never even heard of Gaylord, Michigan. Uh, but there are one, two, three, six counties uh, in the interior there where they have winter weather advisories up for some lake effect snows. Otherwise, you know, it's a big snooze fest tonight. What was that uh, in the in the nation's midsection, like around uh, northern Missouri? What was what was the what were those? Uh, yeah, those were the, under? this morning. Those were oh, were they were they showing? Those were winter weather advisories there this morning. Did I miss? Did I miss something there? Hold on. Well, they, they were still they were still up on your map. Oh, they were. Oh, my God. Well, you know, let's make sure. Something was going on in the. Yes. No, those. Was going no, on in the Ozarks. No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> th those are freeze. That's a freeze. Uh, those are freeze warnings. Oh, okay. Uh, it's Sorry. really, I mean, this is about as, you know, this is about as quiet as it could possibly get. After last week and, and the Nor'easter and everything else, uh, it's it's gone dead silent, and I guess that's not really a big surprise because that that does happen sometimes. We actually do have some precip coming into the Pacific Northwest as a uh, a frontal system moves inland there, but this is nothing like the the uh, the powerhouse storm uh, that we saw early last week. 
they're still dealing with some rain, but I guess it's light enough now that it's not really causing any flash flooding because they don't have any flash flood watches, watches up. And of course, some of that energy has been streaming eastward, and we've got a cold front to our west uh, that is moving eastward. I threw in the chance for a shower tomorrow, uh, scattered, uh, light, yes. but I threw it in. Yes. And uh, the temperatures are probably, they're going to struggle tomorrow because of the cloud cover. I think they're probably, from eastern Pennsylvania to southern New England, it may just be low to mid-50s for highs. So we're shaving off a few degrees from today. I would, I would agree with you on the, uh, on the threat of a little bit of precipitation later tomorrow. Not all that much, but yeah, I would, I would go with that. And, you know, the, the, I, quite frankly, I think tomorrow night where I am, temperatures are going to be more like low to mid thirties. Although, that's that would be for you know uh, a temperature monitor that's like six or eight feet above the ground. Right. The ground itself will will be cold. Oh, no question about that. You know, I I, I am looking for. <laughs> it just crossed my mind, but <clears throat> you just reminded me uh, because anything that happens snow wise between now and say the middle of December. Uh, we'll, you know, you'll have the warm ground society folks will be, uh, <laughs> you know, they, you know, they're out there, they're out there with their laser thermometers, uh, taking the temperatures on the blacktop uh, already just to see uh, what, <laughs> what it is. I don't even want to get it. You know, let's just wait for it to happen so that we can yell at them. Uh, for, for 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 that for that old wives' tale, uh, these are the showers that are going on tonight. A couple of heavier downpours, excuse me, in southern Missouri, western Kentucky, uh, moving into uh, eastern Arkansas and northwest Mississippi. Lighter showers and probably the stuff you see in Ohio, moving into western Pennsylvania, is not reaching the ground. And there's the precip up along the shores of Michigan, coming off the lakes, which is why they have. Um, uh, the uh, lake effect, uh, they have the winter weather advisories up on the upper peninsula of Michigan and also uh, on the, the low, on the upper part of the lower peninsula of Michigan. And Michael McGuire, uh, thank you for the super chat hit. And yes, you are right next door in Hiawassee, uh, Georgia. And you're, I, if I didn't have to go to bed, I'd, I'd, I'd come run out and, and, and say hi personally because you're not that far from me. Hiawassee's the next big, you know, that's Pixley. <laughs> that's Pixley. Okay. They they have they have more than one supermarket. You know, they have <laughs> they got the Walmart, they got the 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 Home Depot. Actually, there's a there's a uh, <clears throat> there's a, a a stadium there where a lot of uh, country a lot of the country music uh, people come out come out and uh, have concerts there uh and not the small level country music people but some of the like middle and high level ones come out there so that's if you're into country music you can go anytime you're in north georgia you can head on over to hiawassee and uh and, and see them mean and they have a beautiful uh lake there too by the way uh so uh here's the stuff going on in the pacific northwest kind of on an angle here from the northwestern corner of Washington going southeast into southern Idaho, northern Nevada, northern Utah, showers uh, in parts of southern southeast southwest Oregon and continuing down uh, through uh, northern and central and even southern California picking up on a few radar echoes 
you know, they must they, they they must have full team coverage tonight over in L.A. because you know there's got they got some uh, they got some rain there uh, on the radar. They get very excited there when it rains, apparently. Well, I mean, especially since the uh, the uh, NOAA long range forecast is going for a continuation of abnormally dry weather into the winter time, and I guess they're just they they're soaking up whatever they can get their hands on before the uh, the dry spell happens, Joe. Uh, yep. They certainly could use every bit of moisture they can get their hands on. Yep. WPC with rainfall in the west. Uh, draw a line from San Francisco to Reno from there north and up mainly along the coastal plain. Uh, they are looking at uh, some areas getting several to many inches. Uh, other areas, maybe a little bit of rain shadowing going on with some of the uh, mountains there that are closer to the coast, so the rainfall amounts go down and then they go up again. Uh, then there's a gap in eastern Washington and eastern Oregon that picks up uh, in northern Idaho. I would imagine some of that will probably be in the as, as snow and some of the higher terrain. Uh, also, some uh, moisture extending down into uh, northwestern Colorado. Otherwise, the southwest is dry. The plains are dry. Much of the Western lakes and the northern part of the Ohio Valley, not seeing any precip for the next seven days. We've got um, up to a few inches possible, perhaps in, in uh, southeast and uh, in, the, in the eastern half of Texas, western Louisiana, uh, western Arkansas, maybe about well, more, more like maybe an inch to, to two inches, something like that. And uh, at least from the standpoint, and probably those of you who saw the European today, if you saw the 18Z GFS, which kind of looks like the European today, with this, uh, with uh, uh, the second of two waves that'll be coming out of the southeast, uh, the um, uh, WPC actually has the northern edge of 0 0.01 to 0 0.10 touching. Uh, Long Island and New York City. From there south, uh, otherwise, even up in, <clears throat> except in and around the lakes where you see some heavier precip showing up, uh, we're looking at <clears throat> relatively dry conditions for the next seven. And then looking at the precip field, uh, it, it would suggest that the coastal system that develops at least as wrapped up as the European had it today, that the bulk of that rain and the European also shows uh, the rain just pretty much sliding south and east of the of the air of New England and uh, and the Mid Atlantic states. So WPC is on on the same page with that, and I assume you're on the same page with that. Yeah, we're just a little. I mean, a, a double trouble if you initially look at this with one wave passing by, you know, later in the week, and then then there's that second wave, and then we get to. Uh, about a week from now, and it looks like some kind of a front coming on through, Joe. Mm -hmm. You have some snow, even some snow being shown on some of the models over uh, far upstate New York and portions of uh, northern uh, New England. But after that, then we uh, we turn uh, quite cold here. For, yeah. Uh, for next <clears throat> Interestingly, the models, you know, looking at some of the model runs, and they haven't been consistent, at least on the GFS. We seem to be doing this sort of every other run type thing. Um the Europeans been a little more consistent in trying to show a colder look in the longer term. Uh, I, um, yeah, I'm kind of looking at the upper air and, and getting maybe a little bit interested uh, for down the road. I, I uh, preloaded or attempted to preload uh, the uh, 18Z GFS. 
And I'm going to roll it back just to let's do the, the let's do the first uh, thing, the first couple of things for the rest of this week and going into this weekend. Then I'm going to switch to the teleconnections and then we'll come back. Uh, but uh, one of the uh, one of the things that's happening right now is the fact that we have this sort of very broad uh, north northwest flow coming down out of Canada that swings, you know, broadly eastward. Uh, through the mid-Atlantic states and off the East Coast. That is a cold flow. It is um, a uh, flow that you know, mentioned a, a few days ago, that this is the first time this autumn that we've seen a pattern resembling this. And it's hanging on. That trough is going to uh, send more energy in. So you see this little short wave that kind of swings through Thursday into Friday. The southern part of that is a little more vigorous which will probably mean I will be seeing some rain around here. And it, it, there's not enough room for, for, for these waves to lift up. The second one kind of gets squashed a little bit on the GFS. The Europeans more robust with it. But the bottom line is, I mean, it looks like that it, that it does go out underneath us and it doesn't, it doesn't appear to have any, any, any mechanism to help it lift up further west and then lift up the coast. So I will we'll, we'll assume that this is correct. And just notice, by the way, that all up in the northern latitudes, you still see higher than normal pressures uh, going on. And uh, that is, you know, your negative NAO is still in play. As we take a look at it, uh, we're pretty negative here. We're about one standard deviation from the mean uh, on the North Atlantic Oscillation. And going forward, most of the members stay between neutral and minus one. There are a couple of members that want to go either briefly positive or maybe uh, at the end of the period go a little bit more than just be briefly positive. But the majority of them are sitting between uh, zero and minus one through the forecast period. And the uh, Pacific North America Index, or the fabulous PNA, uh, has been in a has been positive by about one standard deviation, and it's kind of seesawing around as troughs come into the West Coast and crash the ridge. Then as the trough moves east, the ridge pops back up. So uh, it's why you see these this V-shape here. And then they kind of, I don't know, about half of them stay a little, maybe half a standard deviation above the mean a positive and half stay between neutral and minus one, uh, one standard deviation below the mean at the end of the period. So it's it's kind of a neutral looking teleconnection, which for all intents and purposes, it's probably not that bad uh, from the standpoint of um, uh, the weather around here, because the worst comes to worst, it'll just probably be you know, you get a few days here and there where temperatures trend to average or maybe just a little bit above before another front comes through and cools it down. Yeah, I think uh, from looking at the uh, the 10 millibar, uh, the uh, where the positioning of the polar vortex is that uh, beginning, you know, uh, midweek of this week and probably continuing a protracted spell right on through the weekend and on into next week of temperatures that will be declining, that will be uh, near or below normal for a change. And uh, I think that that pretty well will tell the story here, tell the tale. We've, we've been above normal for such a such a rather long period of time. We're finally, I think, Joe, going to see uh, some. Uh, by the way, later on in the week, I'm not sure what date it is exactly, the 4th or the 5th of November or whatever, 
we will reach the midpoint of fall. And it seems like we have, we've hardly had any fall at all so far, but maybe uh, finally fall will show itself in all of its true colors, literally and figuratively, by later this week into the weekend and on into next week. Yeah, I, I, I'm rolling through this on the, on the longer range. You know, after this weekend, if that trough lifts out, there's another little vortex that's up in Hudson Bay that uh, sticks its nose into New England. And then around the middle part of next week, we just get a little bit of ridging here along the East Coast. Not a lot, but we get, get some ridging because uh, more troughing drops down into the plains. And then he got, tries to wrap up a cutoff low that it brings across the lakes into southeastern Canada. And then more troughing on the bottom of it uh, swings towards toward the East Coast. I mean, you look at the overall flow. I mean, there is some Canada's looking colder in the longer term. Toward the, especially toward you know after about day 10, 10, 10 or eleven, uh, the heights really start falling up there, and you're seeing height falls also in the eastern part of the United States. So you know maybe that that would be a more quality type cold air if you want to refer to that. Uh, but we're still you know I was just trying to put things in perspective uh, when we were talking about this time of year, folks, because you know my mind is trying to not. You know, when I say cold, I'm talking relative to normal. Uh, but but got to remember, this is early November, and the average high in New York, just as an example, I mean, the average high in New York City is still near or just under 60. So, and by the end of the month, it's still near or just under 50. So, uh, if you're if you're 10 degrees below normal this time of year, that's chilly. But that still means temperatures make it up, you know, 40s to around 50 degrees. I mean, you really need a really crazy anomaly. You got to be like minus 20, minus 25. Um, if, you know, if you're starting, you know, you're thinking along the lines of some, you know, snow down, down, down these parts, and you got to have a really ideal upper air. And I can tell you right now, this ain't it. Uh, but um, very messy looking, Joe. Too. There's a lot of short waves. There's a lot of energy running around. So needless to say, the next run's going to be totally different than this. Uh, a lot of energy running around in the atmosphere. I'm trying to even get a gauge of what's going on in the Pacific. I mean, it's not terrible, uh, but it's not, you know, I wouldn't be jumping, you know, jump if I were a winter weather lover, I wouldn't necessarily be jumping for joy over it either. John Charles on the chat board says, we're going to need more blocking wherever we, whatever we can get uh, this winter to force that cold air all the way down. You can already see the roaring Nina Pacific getting started on the models for later this week into next week. Well, yeah, I agree. With we could we could use a little bit of blocking, to, indeed. Uh, but not too much. But not too much. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I also would rather say, I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I, I've I've said this many times. I'll say it again. I, I I blocking is nice, but it's not the end all. And if it if it's too much, then it's great for me sitting in North Georgia. But it's you know, you, then then you're then you, then you're just cold and dry up in the Northeast. Uh, I would much rather see the Pacific and and Western Canada, you know, display a negative a uh, a, a negative East Pacific oscillation look. Um, and, and rather, than, and I'll take my chances whether we have a block or not. I have to ask you a question. Please do. If I were to say, if I were to say. A storm was developing somewhere along the mid-Atlantic coast. Mm -hmm. What exactly? What exactly is that, or what exactly, uh, in terms of you know the states involved, 
where would you where would you say that that in your mind places that the mid-atlantic coast well for me i've always thought that like the northern mid-atlantic for example would be northeastern virginia so we'll include washington dc and baltimore maryland delaware um and south jersey southern parts of new jersey and southern pennsylvania i would consider that the northern mid-atlantic now the whole mid-atlantic from the way i look at it is probably from i don't know i guess southern new jersey down to north carolina but then north carolina is also part when you make reference to that being the southeastern states i usually think of the southeast north states as north carolina south carolina and georgia what what begs this question well, somebody had uh, uh, written, wrote to me on uh, Facebook, and he said, why do you keep referring to New Jersey as uh, being in the Northeast? We all know it's a mid-Atlantic state. And I said, yeah, really? I mean, I, I, I've, I've heard that argument. I think it is considered tech, you know, however, whoever's in charge of, you know, making the decisions is about who's in the Northeast and who's in the mid-Atlantic states. I think New Jersey is considered a mid-Atlantic state, but I, I, I find it I'm hard. Worried. I find it hard to think of the northern part of New Jersey as being in the mid-Atlantic. I would, to me, that's part of the Northeast. Well, the the northern New Jersey is like right at the doorstep of the Hudson Valley. So right. I I said I said you know you've got to draw lines and boundary zones somewhere. somewhere. I, for for all the years that I've been on radio and television, whenever I used to talk about a potential winter storm, for example, or developing storm that could be a nor'east or whatever, and I said mid-Atlantic, to me, that was always the Virginia Capes down to uh, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. That's where I usually targeted a mid And of course, that's the part of the uh, the uh, Atlantic seaboard that kind of bulges out, if you will. Right. Uh, but the, the, purists, the purists would tell you that that's the southern part of the mid-Atlantic. Whereas the middle part yeah. of the Mid-Atlantic then would be the Chesapeake Bay to the Delmarva Peninsula. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know what? <laughs> you would think these people would have something more to worry about. The Gustavus. Really, don't you? I mean, really, you got to have something. There must be, you're, you know, your life must be so incredibly smooth and without any... <laughs> issues at all that you can sit around you know worrying about whether new jersey is the mid-atlantic or it's not the mid-atlantic or you know i i don't know well what i i as i just said there, there's an old latin maxim de gustibus non est disputatum which means in matters of taste there can be no disputes or everybody's personal preferences are merely subjective opinions that cannot be right, cannot be wrong, so they should never be argued about as if they were. Voila. Everybody is right, if you will. If you want to say it's the Mid-Atlantic and New Jersey, fine. If you want to say North Carolina is the Mid-Atlantic and New Jersey is the Northeastern <clears throat> state, fine. You can't, you can't have any arguments. You should never, subjective opinions can never be right or wrong, they should never be argued about as if they were. Voila. And now back to our show. Wow. I mean, you know, <laughs> incredibly profound. Whoa. All right. 
Well, it's it's what we know is never right and all, and almost always wrong is the long term on the on on uh, any of these models. And uh, looking at tomorrow, there are just a couple of showers kind of hold together. In fact, the Gia, the the NAM and the GFS make a little bit of snow there in, in the mountains of West Virginia and northwestern Virginia. So Johnny Quest, keep your eyes out for a few flakes tomorrow. And then uh, that front moves offshore. The coldest part of this high builds in. Uh, you'll notice there's a, a, a there's energy that's coming out of the Rockies that drops down into the southern plains with rain and a little bit of snow there in West Kansas. Uh, and that rain area pushes east. There's not a whole lot to this. Uh, the first wave comes out on Thursday uh, off the Carolina coast and goes goodbye although the radar wants to bring a couple of sprinkles Friday, Thursday night, touching eastern Long Island. Prior run did something like that, too. And then here's the second wave. Now, the European was very robust. It had a, a, a rather t wrapped up low, but, uh, but tight, uh, south and east of Cape Cod uh, over the weekend. And the GFS on this run kind of follows up with that. So now all of a sudden on, on Saturday, uh, it's got rain touching coastal New Jersey, Delmarva down to eastern North Carolina. So in the mid-Atlantic states, okay, uh, <laughs> all right, and then uh, bringing up uh, rain actually over Long Island Saturday evening, but it doesn't get much further north than that. Again, of course, the low just starts to move east northeast from there. I don't know. I, I kind of think it's a little bit too far north and west, considering what the upper air looks like. So for now, I've been kind of optimistic for the weekend. I also don't want to get another Sal Blandino post chastising me for being different if uh, everybody else is saying it's going to be a nice week and I come on and say that, well, I'm not so sure. Maybe that rain from the south comes up. So I'm going to give Sal a break. He's been suffering endlessly lately. Uh, so that low goes out. And there's another front that approaches on Monday. Not much with that. Uh, and uh, then here comes another low across the Great Lakes for the middle part of next week that goes um, north of Lake Huron, and then another wave comes out from the Southern Plains. I mean, there's nothing really here that's exciting. The GFS actually even tries to spin up a low in the Bahamas in the who cares, the tropical season is over uh, department. And then uh, at the end of next week on this particular run, you've got a wrapped-up low that goes to the lakes with the, some some snows over Michigan, back to about Chicago, goes up into eastern Canada. And yes, if this were to verify, it looks like it would turn you know, rather cold for this time of year behind it. And now we're at the middle part of the month and on and on it goes. So uh, Johnny Quest hitting Super Chat tonight. He wants us to look at Wanda. So who am I not to indulge? Let's take a look at uh, La Wanda. And actually, we got two X's here uh, from uh, uh, from the, the Hurricane Center folks. Uh, so why even bother to put it if the chances are near zero? <laughs> okay. Because they need to do something. Okay. And, they then, know the, and then over Panama. The is over. Right. Low pressure just offshore the northern coast of Panama. As we're producing disorganized showers and storms, expected to move west over the, over Central America on Tuesday, and significant tropical development is unlikely due to its interaction with land. That's it. Mudslides, heavy rains, you know, huts being washed away, you name it, they, they'll probably have it. 
Uh, Wanda is transitioning now to a full tropical cyclone, Joe. This is exciting. Uh, 34.2, 42.2, and here it is on the- Northeast at six. Moving east, northeast at six, and there's the Hurricane Center's forecast. Uh, kind of moving very slowly north and then turning it northeast and east and then southeast. It actually goes northwest of the Azores and then turns and moves southeast again. Why don't we bring up, let me see if I can bring up a satellite here of uh, of Wanda. And thank you for the super <laughs> chat hit, by the way, Johnny. Most appreciated, as always. And let's see. Uh, let's see if I can get... Where's the storm view? We'll go to the uh, floaters. Okay. There are no storms in the Eastern Pacific. There are no storms in the Central Pacific. Docker there. All storm views. I just looked at the still shot. I mean, it looked better as a subtropical storm, I think, than it looked as a tropical storm. So there it is. <laughs> I mean, look at this. I mean, it, it's it's this tiny swirl. Why even? I mean, I know why they do it, but you almost look at this and it's a really. I've seen tropical depressions look better than this, but there you have it. I've seen thunder. Right. I've seen thunderstorms look better than that. I know. <laughs> I mean, it does kind of look like a glorified severe thunderstorm. I'm just trying. There's no latitude and longitude marking, so I don't know how how you know what the spacing is i'm assuming that's one degree i mean if that's the case the thing isn't even 90 miles across yeah right so there's a little enhancement going on all the frames are loading which is why you're seeing you know these slow the the, the slow motion here yeah it just looks it's it, it it just there it is it just looks so yeah some convection's blowing up and starting to wrap around the center I mean, I guess it's kind of cool to see what that that happens, but it's it, you know it's so small. Look look at the clouds to the east are racing at a thousand miles an hour from south to north, and then he's got these clouds from the wet in the wet to the west of it that are racing southeastward at a thousand miles an hour. It just seems to be in this one hole where there's not a whole lot of shear going on, and it's managing to to to, to keep itself together with hostile environments on either side. We're surrounded. <laughs> we are. All right. You know what? Let's. There's, there's not much more we can pull. Oh, you know what? The one thing we could do is let, let me get rid of this. Hang on a second. Let's get rid of this. Bring on Mrs. Bundy. No. Uh, Mrs. Bundy. Mrs. Mrs. Bundy is on hiatus. Hang on a second. I'm gonna get. Let me go back to the G. Let's just look at the polar vortex and then and then we can do Briller Jeopardy and call it a night. How's that? Uh, so let's 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 see what that looks like. The one thing I would say with regards to the polar vortex, Joe, and and for those of you you know watching tonight, uh, is what you don't want to you know if you're if if you're looking for uh, if if you're a fan of 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 winter weather, what you don't want it to see, what you don't want to see is is for uh, the so the upper low in the stratosphere to become this wrapped up tight little ball. And it's not really doing that. It's pretty, 
you know, it's rather large. It's pretty amorphous. And actually, you look at this run, Joe, it almost looks like it wants to split with one center near the north coast of Siberia. And now another set. Now it's dropped down actually further south into the northern part of the Davis Strait, which is pretty interesting. I mean, the one beauty, the one beautiful thing about this level of the atmosphere is you have one feature to look at. It's not like you have a thousand short waves running around that are going to produce big differences from run to run. You don't see big differences from run to run. You see more subtle differences. And the one subtle difference in this is the fact that the the vortex center seems to want to move down and, and park itself up in the northern part of the Davis Strait. At longer term, that could be bullish for the uh, for the eastern part of the United States. Uh, and, and from what I'm seeing here, Joe, the vortex, in terms of the whole vortex structure, it still looks relatively weak which would favor the negative NAO and would favor, you know, a blocky pattern developing somewhere. Now, do we know how high exactly 10 millibars happens to be? Uh, okay, so uh, the decameter reading here is uh, 2,900. So what do we do? We add one zero or we we had one zero or two two zeros. Well, you know, I I have the answer in front of me. Oh, okay. So so I mean, you can say you got to say you you to save me from making an ass out of myself. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, ten point ten point nine oh two millibars is equivalent to one hundred thousand feet, or if you will, uh, three thousand. And forty-eight, no, excuse me, thirty thousand four hundred eighty meters. So, right, so we're so, talking about ten millibars. We're talking about way, way up there. So we're talking twenty. At the center of this is twenty-eight eighty. So uh, we're talking twenty-eight thousand eight hundred meters above. Correct. Right. So we're talking right. twenty-eight times three is what 84 so we're talking about like 85,000 feet that sounds a little high doesn't it yeah, it could be it does sound a little 100, high 000, joe 100,000 feet is equivalent to 18.93 miles by the way so that's i that's that's like what when you talk about volcanic eruptions that belch you know, aerosol clouds way, way up into the atmosphere, to the right. stratosphere. That's that's where that's where ten millibars is. So, okay. So we, the uh, those space folks went above ten millibars, then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They 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 broke. Oh, you mean the ones? You mean you mean the the uh, the guys who went into like looking? Yeah. Back? So we have to go above ten. You got to yeah. go above. You got to get out. You got to oh, go. Oh yeah, they went yeah. way. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking mucho miles up there. So, right. I, 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 again, starting from the beginning with the vortex moving off the coast of Siberia, it seems to want to migrate southward into north, northern Canada. Looks lately, this last run, it seems to want to park itself up in the Davis Strait, one side in Greenland, the other side on the Canadian side there. Uh, again, I think this would be, you know, if we if we, if we see, I'd be curious to see when we go, you know, further in time in the next week or two, if, if this if this trend is correct, does that vortex come further south 
Does that vortex center come further south down toward Hudson Bay? You know, it's not that far from there. Well, you know, we, we talked about how it looked like initially that the, it was going to be plunging all the way down toward Hudson Bay, maybe even further south, and then kind of like lifted up and moved back to the north and east. Uh, you know, how far does this thing stretch and, you know, turn or pivot, so to speak? Yeah. Um, it'll, I think, I think it's, well, it, you know, it's too early in the season to start thinking about stuff like that. I mean, really, if it's going to happen, we get like one of those stratospheric warming events. Right. Uh, they usually happen we've like, like we, later we, in January. We, but we've already, we've actually already had a few during the fall, uh, which is yeah. uh, a little unusual. Uh, but that, that's probably the reason why the NAO has, has been negative all this time. And by the way, I, I noticed on the last run, an absolute, to use your $5 word, paucity. Actually, you know what, Joe, with inflation, we've got to up that down to a $10 word. Uh, but the prior run, when I pulled up the 384-hour snowfall map, there was so little, and I looked at it. It looked even. It looked to me like there must. It, I looked at it and I thought there's got to be missing data here because it didn't make any sense to me. Now here's the new one. Now finally, you're seeing what looks like, you know, a rather bullish uh, pattern for snow across across Canada and even coming down uh, into the continental U.S. So because we saw looked at the snow cover yesterday on how, how lacking it still is throughout most of of, of Canada. Uh, so the next 16 days on this run, uh, the uh, snowfall is a little bit more uh, bullish. I guess they must have, we, all right, here's the prior run. I, I must have been, look, I, I looked at it, I saw 384 hours and the map looked blank. So maybe there was a problem with it and he just replaced it. So now, because it didn't look right. Uh, but so the twelve the twelve Z also uh, shows um, a, a rather bullish uh, snowfall across uh, North America, and uh, the same issue occurred when I looked at the map for Asia, uh, and I'll, I'll pull that up, and because I always still like to look at the snow cover growth, which actually has been growing very rapidly uh, in the last week or so across Siberia. Uh, and uh, the, especially on the western flank, and we're seeing uh, quite a bit of snow now. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's playing catch up. And they might be doing it a little bit late, but it does seem to be uh, play, 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 playing, uh, playing some catch up here now uh, with regards to snow across uh, across Siberia. But we're at the end of the Siberian snow cover growth period that is monitored by those who follow that theory. So. Anyhow, here we there are. There really wasn't much growth. No, not during I mean, the not, not during the month of October. There was it was very subpar, both there and in North America. Extremely, uh, I would say in North America it was extremely subpar. Okay, let's do let's do Briller Jeopardy and then put an end to this. All righty, I have I have Briller Jeopardy tonight, I believe. Oh, I, by the uh, uh, yeah, I I did get Johnny Quest's uh, super chat. Okay, thank you. Um, and, and, uh, Mike McGuire hit earlier today as he's enjoying Hiawatsi. Um, yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, another edition of top movies, according to the American film Institute, these are 10 of the top 
100 movies of all time, get 8 out of 10 uh, uh, within three years of debut to send anyone you want to Antarctica. <laughs> well, that, that's, 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 a, that, I, that, that's interesting. You, you and I are the only ones why I'm, know why I'm laughing about yes. that. Yes, okay. So, Go to Antarctica. Here we go. Number one, <laughs> the bridge on the River Kwai. Right. What about it? Am I supposed to? What to am know? I? What, what am I supposed to be guessing here? Um, uh, I guess you're supposed to be guessing the the year that it debuted. Oh, okay. Get uh, eight out of get eight out of ten with within three years bridge, of debut to send anyone. Bridge on the River River Kwai with, with William Holden. Uh, and a uh, it's a wonderful movie. It's great. It really is. Uh, David Lean uh, directed it, uh, and uh, I believe that was in 1957. Right on the nose. Right on the nose, Joe. Here's here's one of my favorites, which is not shown enough on television. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Nineteen. 1938. Oh, off by one, but still very, very good. 39. 39, okay. Number three, High Noon. 54. Two. Okay. Still within, still within three. That's not bad. I was going to say two. Number four. Well, yeah. Number four, The Birth of a Nation. Oh. You'll die if you get this one. That was like 19, I want to say 1926. Is that what you want to say? Yeah. According to the chairman, it was 1915, which I guess means it was a silent. Yeah, film. you know, I, yeah, I know it was early. I didn't know how early. Honestly, I've never seen it. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, not from front start to finish. I've seen chunks of it here and there, um, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's it's probably 1915, 1915. Way way back. How about number five, the third man? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, stop. <laughs> you know what? I would, I would have uh, that. The music to me is torture. I mean, it's a it, it, it's a it's a it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's not on my top ten list, uh, but that uh, if if they could have done without the music, nineteen forty seven. I check, gonna guess. Just within the three three year limit, nineteen fifty. Fifty. And right. by the way, the and by the way, the third man with Orson Welles was a radio show as well as a yes as well as becoming a film. So. Oh, hate that God. How about how about number six? That, and by the way, the music was played on a zither. Number six, Stagecoach. Stagecoach was. I've seen Stagecoach a few times. But John Wayne, um, nineteen. I don't remember. I'm, I'm not sure if it was one of the movies in 1939. I mean, it was a whole bunch of great movies that came out that could credit it to 1939. So I'll just say 1939. 
and right on the nose again. Along with along with Mr. Smith goes to Washington also right. in 1939. And the How Wizard of Oz seven? and Gone with the Wind and, the, and, and, uh, and a whole host of others. Yep, yep. Now, when I see the name of this movie, I think of Batman. <laughs> I'm not going to... It's the name of the movie. It's not Shame, it's Shane. Oh, Shane? <laughs> right, Shane. Shane. Right. And, and Cliff... Didn't Cliff... Cliff Robertson played... Um, played Shane, Shane yeah, right. on Batman. Right. And I think he played I, Shane on the movie Shane. Which is also, it's not one of my favorites, so I'm probably not going to get this right. Uh, I'm going to say, I'll say 19, I'll say 1962. I'm probably wrong. Whoa, whoa, way off. Way off. Yeah, no, I, I'm not, that's not on my list of, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't put Shane in the top 10 list of, of, uh, of, of movies, in my opinion, but go on. In your humble opinion, I think in the in the Batman, the the uh, the villain Shame, wasn't there wasn't there a part? Clint Howard, Ron Ron Howard's yes. little brother, and she's walking with a cowboy hat on and he's saying Shame, Shame, where are you? <laughs> yeah, it's just not it's just not my uh, cup of tea. Number eight, City Lights. City Lights, and that's of course with the great Charlie Chaplin. 29? 1929? Yeah. 1931, but you're still within three. Okay. How about number nine, The Wild Bunch? Oh, good God. I have no idea. That's a movie I've never seen, and I, I don't you, I don't care to see. So you, you've um, got to get this one, Joe. If you don't get it, you don't get the, the trip to Antarctica. Well, I only got then one. Gonna go to, I only then going to go to I only, Antarctica? I, I only got one wrong. 60, <laughs> no, six, you got two. Oh, you well, get two, right, right. Birth of a Nation and, and, and Shane. Okay. Right. Um, the Wild Bunch, I don't know, 64. 69. Okay. And finally, The Searchers. And I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a hint. That's the year I was born. 56. 56 is right. Ding, 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 ding. I don't think I've ever seen The Searchers. I've, I've, I know the, the I've, I've heard of the movie. I'm trying to think if that is Deborah Kerr in The Searchers. Let me see. There's a huge Deborah Kerr fan. She's probably, she's on my list of, 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 uh, Greatest actors or actresses never to have won an Oscar. She was nominated, I think, six times in the Best Actress category, or four times. I forget, but she, I think it was six. But she's never, she never won. The Searchers, um, 1956. We well, got it. You, you got it. 1956. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, it's not Deborah Kerr. So this is John Wayne, Jeffrey Hunter, and Vera Miles. Vera Miles. Right. Okay. Well, speaking, of, I mean, since you're speaking about people who have were nominated but never won, uh, yours truly was nominated eight times for an Emmy and never won. Right. You're the Thelma. You're the, you're the Thelma Ritter of the uh, of, of the New York Emmy Society. 
something like that. But I can tell you who did win. Yes, Jeffrey weekend. won. We should give him big, big congratulations to Jeff Banson for. Um, Jeff Banson. He won with um, Mike Rizzo. With Mike Rizzo. Okay, great. With Mike Rizzo. Right. So congratulations to both of them for um, for for taking home a, a, an Emmy. And um, also uh, uh, Lee Goldberg. I believe that was his first. He won an Emmy uh, this weekend. Oh, very good. So congratulations to Lee Goldberg for uh, for winning his for winning his Emmy. That's terrific. And, uh, and one of our viewers, one of the people who I know uh, watches us and maybe even watches us right what, now. Did, did they win Audrey an Emmy Punte. too? <laughs> Audrey Punte from Fox yes, Five. Yes, yes. Did she win again? She won. Well, she was she was on a. I, I believe it was like. Uh, the top newscast. Oh, okay. And, uh, and and she was part of the team. Yeah, I, I so got gets... I got mine that way. One of mine that way. Yes. Well, it's lovely. Maybe you ought to send it to me, and I can I can look at it from time to time, <laughs> <laughs> and wish and wish that it was mine. It's no big deal. I mean, it's fine. It's you know, wonderful. But you know what? It's it passes, and then you go on to the next one. So, the, oh yeah. The, well, one of my one of my buddies from News Twelve who moved on to CBS. Uh, he was a technical person, a cameraman, and uh, uh, editor. His name was Gus Stradigas. He's a Greek, and uh, I was there the night when he won his Emmy. And later on, I asked him. I said, "So, how does it feel?" He says, "He says, how did it feel?" I went up there. They gave me the statue. I thanked everybody, and the next day I was out in the rain shooting a shooting a package. <laughs> at the end of the day. At the end of the day, that was it, you know. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, so congratulations to all the Emmy yes. winners out there who 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 uh, took home. Guess who else won? A Stacy Ann Gooden from Channel Eleven. But really? I don't think she did. I don't think she did weather. I think it was some kind of a. It was a different, like a news package. Or whatever. Oh, okay. She Great. Good. Good for her. Congratulations to Stacy. Anybody else yes. we need to congratulate? Oh, I innumerable other people, and of course. I accept you know. the award with humility and grace. Somebody, please get those people out of here. I cannot talk over that racket. You know, I drive my wife crazy when they do the the uh, the primetime Emmys or the. Uh, daytime Emmys on, on, on network TV and you know, whoever it is steps up and as, as the person is about to open the envelope, I say to her, I said, and the Emmy, and the Emmy does not go to Del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> you are, that's mean. Well, I'm only stating a fact. She, you know, I said that enough times. I went down, she said, so help me, Joe, if you say that one more time. And what she says in that tone of voice. Well, I, 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 I would I would never I would never have done uh, would do this, but only because you brought it up. OK, uh, so give me give me one second. Give me one second. There, there's my, that's mine. They even spelt my name right.
So this was for this was for 2005-2006 New York Emmy Awards evening newscast over 35 minutes. Uh, WB11 News at 10 flooded out was the name was the 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 newscast was titled flooded out. It was uh, a heavy rain flooding that occurred over in New Jersey. So I was I was what I was really happy about this was the fact that it was a weather related, you know. It was a weather-related newscast. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was, you know, a, a typical newscast. This was weather was the lead story. Was the whole first block, and and that's mine. And it looks just like the Emmys that they give for the TV, you know, for that they for the national Emmy. It's just a little smaller, but it's that's right. what it looks like. Right. And the other one, well, I don't. The other one, I don't have a statue for. I have a certificate. Because I wasn't shelling out three hundred, I wasn't shelling out three hundred bucks or whatever it was uh, no. for a statue. That was the Avianca, right? Yes, and unbeknownst to most people, when I tell them that, you know, I had to pay for this. Okay, <laughs> I had to pay yeah. for this out of my own pocket. So they uh, <clears throat> they don't give everybody who enters, you know, you pay the entry fee, which is. A ton, a ton. It ain't cheap. And then if you lose, you don't get that money back. And in in this category, they only it's one Emmy. So if you want your own statue, you have to pay for it. And of course, the station wouldn't pay for it. That's it. Of course, that's that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes, Joe. You win the you win the honors for them, but they don't pay out for you. Nope. And that, ladies and gentlemen. Is television. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so we'll see you on Thursday. Right. So no show the next two nights, folks. Thanks for being here. We never do this, by the way. I don't think we've ever taken back-to-back -back on a weekday, but I, I, I have to. So um, <clears throat> we'll, totally understandable. we'll see you Thursday. And, uh, and by the and, way, and the it's chairman, at 8.30 Eastern time. The chairman says that this Thursday – on the Joe and Joe show, we're celebrating, I didn't know this, the third anniversary of Joe and Joe Appreciation Day. Oh, God. As we as we salute the two best meteorologists on Earth, and that, of course, is Al Roker and yeah. Mr. G. Yeah. <laughs> you see these two, you, you see the wings here, Joe? They're very sharp. <laughs> They're very sharp. All right. Good night. Good night. All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll see you on Thursday.